talking to Martin Short. Martin Short and I, we, can I call you Marty or does no one call you Marty? Everyone calls me Marty. Oh, okay, good. I'm going to call you Martin, I think. In fact, years ago, thank you. No, years oh, ago. Excuse me. <laughs> that's, that's. Harpo's here. No, it's my wife. She likes to play with that little ball. <laughs> you did marry younger, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. No, I remember for years, I was Martin Short. Mm-hmm. And, and I still am professionally Martin Short mm-hmm. when I work. But at a certain point, Dave Letterman started calling me Marty. Oh. Yeah. And Johnny Carson called me Marty. Yeah. And then I'd be on the street and people would go, hey, Marty. And it just it shifted <laughs> with that. Yeah. Yeah. And Ernest Borgnine did Marty, the, the movie Marty, which Absolutely. won an Oscar. Right. About a nebbishy guy, which you are not no, at no, all. No, no, no. Ernie Borgnine, yeah. Yeah. But you're a Marty more than a Martin. Martin is officious. And both names are a little bit dated now. There are not a lot of families calling their young son Marty. No. Or Martin. No. And not many calling them Duddy either. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no, there are there are some calling them Duddy, but those are specific neighborhoods. Yes. If you get my drift. Yes. Or am I being too yeah. subtle? When we were shooting the David Steinberg show, great name for our show is what I thought. Once yes. I arrived on that name, I thought, wow, oh, this is gonna That's be great. Perfect. So Tell about your audition process and all that. I love hearing this story of how you came in, well, well, what was going on. It was the uh, spring of 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have that kind of Rain Man memory. Mm-hmm. I compared it to H. Sam at once, you know, that thing that Mary Lou Hanner has. And I was telling everyone, <laughs> yes. oh, you know, I have the same Mary Lou Hanner. August thing. 9th, 1936. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just like Mary Lou, but I couldn't remember Hanner. I blanked on the name Hanner. So I thought, well, I don't have it exactly. <laughs> I went in, I was a huge fan, to the point that I did a perfect impersonation of you. I mean, before I met you. Yeah. And no one had ever done an impersonation. I've never heard anyone. No, and, and well, I, I used to, um, I, I loved The Tonight Show. And I always would watch The Tonight Show, and you were the staple in The Tonight Show, in an era when there was only one thing to watch. Exactly. And I went in, and I remember I did impersonations of celebrities old and young. <laughs> yes. 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 And then... Who did you do? Do you remember? I, I think it's Sinatra, you know. Uh, I shot the sheriff. <laughs> you just done one of those out. Moments, you know, and uh, and uh, and then I and I then started doing you, you know, John, when I'm on the Tonight Show with Doc, and, and, and meaning to me the thing about rabbinical exercise, you know, and, and, and so you were like, wow, yeah. And I remember you said, you said, well, I'm going to make it really easy for your agent. You're hired. <laughs> the the narcissism was fed. It was unbelievable. Yeah, Someone was doing me. You can't. Yeah. That's what I've learned about it doesn't matter uh, if you do impersonations of famous people and if you're mean or, <laughs> yes. or uh, a love letter is yeah. they don't say they're doing me <laughs> and they love you they love you yeah. yes yeah i thought it was great yes it was unmistakable yeah how that was that was in the spring of 76 and then yeah. we started and then we did we did i don't know how many shows maybe 13 i guess yeah. in the spring of 76 and then we broke for the summer and we did another 13 yeah. in the fall of 76. Yes. With the best, biggest guest stars of the time. Oh, my God. It was so, so exciting. Yeah. Um, Ed McMahon. Yes. John Voight. Yes. And Ethel Merman one week. Yeah. And it was just, 
insane. I remember we were all, the premise was that we were all singing, I hear music, but I don't need analyze it. And we were, but everyone could do it, but you couldn't do yeah. it. Whenever the duet started, I would jump to the other person. Right, 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 right. And so she walked in in the middle of us rehearsing it. And I remember there was just, there was a, just about four pounds of eye makeup, <laughs> um, just black. Here, I kept thinking, somewhere, if you get the, you know, the BP thing down to figure, <laughs> somewhere there are eyes in there. Yeah. Uh, but she was very nice, and she said, what are you doing? And she, we said, we're trying to sing this song, and she said, ah, well, go ahead, put another nickel in, <laughs> which means play the uh, jukebox again, I guess. <laughs> the, the jukebox of the 30s, for sure. Yeah, put another nickel in. Yeah. Yeah, but we were in awe of her because oh my God, she, yeah, it was incredible to have her there. But also, you know, you were a star. I was, four years before, had been at McMaster University in Hamilton. So <laughs> maybe I'd seen Wayne and Schuster on the street once, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't the same as seeing, there was John Voigt, yeah. Marsha Wallace. Yes, these were all friends of mine. Yeah. Because I had been around for a while in the States and doing The Tonight Show, and they were happening, and they were yeah. all friends. Oh, and I remember Ed McMahon's <laughs> wife, yes. who I think would later to, to be his ex-wife. Yes. There were a fact, number. definitely was. Yeah. Had bell-bottom jeans, because it was 76. Yes. With Tweety Bird. Cartoons on it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and I think and you had said I, you had seen them in a window in Vegas, and even though you might be surprised by the fact that someone would sell them, you couldn't believe how expensive they were. You told me how expensive. They were, like, shockingly expensive. Yes. Yeah. I don't think that divorce went cheaply. No, no, no. Going by, going by the Tweety Bird jeans. If that was any indication, Ed didn't get out of, the, out of that just, you know, yes. by giving up the old Studebaker. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. The Tweety Bird became a vicious eagle so far as <laughs> Ed was concerned. <laughs> And, you know, and Milton Berle was on the show. That's right. Yeah, and Ziggy and I went to meet with Milton Berle. Ziggy wrote the show in the hotel, the Plaza Hotel in Toronto. So Ziggy and I went to, it was after the show, and we were just rehearsing at that point. So we knocked on the door, and Milton said, who is it? And I said, it's David Steinberg and Ziggy. We're here to uh, go over the, you know, some of the material with you. He said, I got a great piece. Just give me a second. I said, we're, we're standing in the hallway of the Plaza Hotel. <laughs> I said, okay, whatever whatever it is, it, it'll be. He opened the door, and he had the do not disturb sign <laughs> on his, what he claims was a gigantic member. But he had the do not disturb sign wrapped around. I said, is this funny? <laughs> I, he, he was obsessed with his penis, wasn't he? Yes. There are a few, now, here's the yeah. question I think we all want to know. <laughs> was it that big, or was it a little bit overrated? Well... I'm not saying you arrive with a measuring tape, but I <laughs> no, mean, no. eyes are eyes. No, uh, uh, Dick Sean claimed that when he saw it for the first time in the steam bath, he thought that Milton was there with his son. <laughs> <laughs> Famous story, you know, again, you know, these are the names that court the young in the yeah. college campuses, but yeah. Forrest Tucker and he were in a who has the biggest penis yeah, story. Yeah, Forrest, Forrest Tucker was known for having, in fact, I was on a plane with Forrest Tucker. He didn't take it out on the plane. <laughs> no. No, so much know. for snakes in a plane. No, when you first meet someone, you know you're fans of each other. You don't you don't go you don't go 
down below the belt for any reason. But no. Forrest Tucker was legendary for his dick as right. well. Right, and then they got into a who's, whose dick is bigger contest. Yes. yes, And Milton had said he pulled out just enough to win. Yes. There was a, a club, the Century West Health Club in Century City in the, in the 70s. And I was a racquetball player. And I would go there. And I went into the steam bath once. And you would always see like a Dick Sean. It's amazing how many celebrities were in this little club. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he was with his agent. I think the agent's name was Max. And the guy was a half of a comedy team from Vegas that you and I would vaguely know. But so I came into the steam bath and Max says, oh, it's David Steinberg. You know, I said, he said, and this is, let's say, Buddy. And, and said, Buddy said, oh, David, you know, I'm such a fan of yours. And Max says, Buddy, do the impression. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to see anything here. We'll, we'll, we'll wave the wave the steam away. You know, I didn't want to hurt Buddy's feelings, so I'm gonna, you know, so I'm waiting for him to sing. And, and Max says, No, no, look down at his dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he was holding his penis. And I'm telling you, it looked like James Cagney He went, You dirty rat! <laughs> I'm gonna do to you what you did to my kid brother. <laughs> And yet you can't remember the name of the act. I, no. I, 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 that would be no. blazing in my brain. So that show was just great fun. Everyone was on it. And well, it was remarkable because in that show, back to the David Steinberg show, where we've left all the famous <laughs> giant penises of show business. But it was John Candy. John it was Candy, yeah. um, Dave Thomas. Yeah. It was Billy Saluga, of course. Yeah. Andrea Martin did an episode. Joe Flaherty. Yeah, Joe Flaherty. And... Uh, Everyone, Catherine, played, Catherine a, O'Hare, yeah. Yeah, played a folk singer on it. Right. It was a good satire. And you were the first lounge singer that anyone had ever heard or seen. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did the lounge singer and yeah. you had a big wig. Well, it was, yes, it was. I had a big wig and lots of puka shells and beads. <laughs> you know, it was your creation. You wanted him to be, the premise was that he was your cousin. <laughs> yes. You had to hire him. It was also a show and a show. It was yeah. what Gary Shandling would later do. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people kind of later did, which yeah. was you'd be in a deli across the street and on the screen would be the show. And if you saw that Johnny Del Bravo, my character, was spending too much time. <laughs> with Ethel, you know, you go, oh, Billy, and you run across. <laughs> yes. Well, it was an incredible group. It was the group that eventually was the nucleus for SCTV. Correct. Yeah. Which was, again, one of the most incredible shows ever to come out of Canada. Absolutely, I agree. You know, and... It, I mean, and I, can, I can say that, even though I was yeah. part of it, because I was the interloper. I came later. SCTV had already won at Emmys by the time I joined. So yes. it was a remarkable show because it didn't have to be told what was funny by an audience brought in. I mean, the thing is about Saturday Night Live is that, yes, there are pre-taped pieces, but when you do a scene at the dress and it gets no reaction, it may have seemed like the cleverest thing in the world. Yes. It just will be cut <laughs> because be cut. it is supposed yes. to get laughs. So yes. that's made it very unique. It, it's a, a great gift is to be in a place like Edmonton, which isn't a big city and it's right. off the show business road. Right. And you guys had this studio to yourself. Well, I never did it in Edmonton. By the time oh, I joined it, it was back in Toronto. Oh. And I remember the last, after the last season of SCTV, we, there was talk of a movie. Mm-hmm. And it seems so almost there. You know, now right. Guy Caballero buys a movie studio and now sure. we're satirizing movies. Sure. 
but I also think they were ready to go. They wanted to go yeah. off on their own. Because yeah. I remember John Candy, he left first. And he, he lived in my guest house in Encino for at least a year. And we did a movie together, and, th and there was only five weeks to do the film. And Tom Mount, who was running Universal, said, David, we, we want you to direct it, and it'll be John Candy and whoever else from SCTV is available. Well, but they were really re interested in, in John at the mm -hmm. time. And I said, well, what about the script? He said, oh, John's writing the script. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, John was uh, just, you know, John was a genius. But uh, there, uh, no, John you're was... never going to get a script out of John no, no, Well, you get, you get, John would say, uh, I, I came up with a scene the other night. I was in a bar. And, he, and he'd literally bring out cocktail things, exactly. you know, with a glass and yeah. writing it. Some of it was blurred yeah. because of the, you know, the rum had spilled. Yes. So I said to Tom, have you seen the script? He said, oh, he'll be here tomorrow. Well, we still have to shoot something. John never came up with a script. Yeah. And I was working on something for, I think, Richie Pryor and Gene Wilder. So I took that and we used it. And Joe Flaherty and, and John were working to at least patch up what I had. I mean, we, we had to shoot something. Right, right, right. And we had no script. And John kept saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's around, whatever. And I, just, I kept saying to Tom, he's in my guest house. I could just walk over and get it if it's really there. <laughs> but... But it's not there. So the, they, they had a great title. It was called Drums Over Malta. Yeah. So, so I thought I wanted to direct so badly, so I was directing Drums Over Malta. And we actually started to shoot this. And John met a guy on a plane named Pierre David, who was a producer of film. Oh, I remember. Remember Pierre, Pierre, Pierre David? Yeah. And all of a sudden, Pierre David was the executive producer <laughs> of Drums Over Malta. Uh, what do I care? I'm still directing it. So we were in the second day of shooting. And then I got a call from a friend of mine on the set. He said, you know, the movie you're doing is announced in the trade. I said, Drums Over Malta? I said, no. They said, you're, you're, are you doing a movie with John Candy? I said, yeah. I said, that's called Numb Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Numb Nuts? I'm not doing a movie called Numb Nuts. And then John said, oh, oh, I forgot to tell, to tell you. <laughs> Pierre David likes the title Numb Nuts. I thought, you know... He is the boss. He's the boss. Yeah. I'm thinking Truffaut and I will be directing <laughs> movie, and I'm the auteur of Numbnuts. But but uh, the movie the, the movie became going berserk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, it, it's almost unwatchable, except there is the great 20 pages I had for Richie Pryor yeah. and John handcuffed to... Uh, Ernie Hudson, and Ernie Hudson goes to see his girlfriend, and he's having sex with his girlfriend, and John's in the hallway, and you see John banging his head. That was all that it was worth, but, <laughs> but I thought, sad that SCTV never did John was the funniest, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, he was funny all day long. All day long, yeah. everything about yeah. him. He was that Johnny LaRue character. Yeah. It was... And excessive, he just, you, you couldn't, you, you know... And, in the, and, and when we all started, you know, we were all... After his thing, Jesus, John picked up the tab again. Doesn't he make the same money we do? Yes. Weird as, yeah. but it was very crammed in, you know. I'm paying, it's on me, I'm doing it. He loved being a big shot. Oh, he loved being, he loved the, being the big guy. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Big guy. And he was so generous. Yeah. And yeah. so funny. So funny. Now, you and Paul Schaefer used to go to Vegas a lot, right? Did you? Yes, we would go with uh, uh, Dave Thomas and Paul and Gene Levy and I. And what, who, who did you see there? Well, we would go, we, we went um, two different times. We went in 1990, and we would pretend to be the Rat Pack. Uh -huh. um, but the last person who arrived had to be Cesar Romero. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you Frank Frank, yeah, we were the hip Rat Pack, and then the last person had to be penalized. Um, and I remember we saw, in a day and a half, we saw Wayne Newton, mm -hmm. Anne Margaret, and Liza. Oh. 
So, and every time we would go, we would be introduced. <laughs> We'd be introduced from the stage, and we would always make a bet who would be introduced last, because it is a pecking order, mm -hmm. as you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so it would vary, depending on uh, if the person on stage knew us. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we went and saw Liza, and I'd never met Liza, no one had met Liza at that point, and she got very solemn at one point near the end of the show and said, there are people out there that are just terrific, and I love them. <sighs> From STV, she already has it wrong. <laughs> Eugene Levy, wrong pronunciation. And Dave Thomas, just to written. She's got that note. And they applaud. They stand up and wave. And then she said, there's someone out there who's just so brilliant with David Letterman. Mr. Paul Schaefer, he stands up. And then she gets very solemn. There's someone else who's helped me through a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've never met Leisman. A lot of rough stuff. He's been there for me. And I had seen earlier in the lobby George Hamilton. I'm thinking, it's George Hamilton. She's introducing George Hamilton. And I say that to Paul. And she says, he's not only brilliant, but I think he's real handsome. <laughs> and I turn to Paul and say, would you describe George Hamilton as brilliant? Anyway, Martin Short. And I stand up, I give her a kiss. I'm trying to think of the rough stuff I've helped her through. But then I realized that, that it was just, you know, through my tomfoolery. Your tomfoolery. But I realized it didn't matter. The all, yeah. the all audience yeah. thought we'd slept together. What's wrong with that? So, Marty, what's incredible to me is so you do SNL, then all of a sudden you did Damages, which is as, as serious a role as you could possibly take. And I was watching you on that, and it was like I, I didn't know any part of you because you were so into the character. I thought it was remarkable. You know, it was very interesting, those, and I totally understand it. I mean, if you are branded in the American public's eye yes. as someone who makes them laugh, and by the way, it's a small club. If It's an honor to be said, I, we think you're... Yeah. Then it does get in the way. These guys... The Kessler, the two brothers, mm -hmm. and Daniel Zellman, they actually thought and felt that if you were a comedic entity, if you did characters, that you could bring to drama a thing that others couldn't bring. Yeah. So in the season that I, you know, each season of Damages is based on one idea. It was a complete story from beginning to end. And the Glenn Close's litigation lawyer going after the quote-unquote Madoff family. Yes. I was the lawyer for the quote-unquote Madoff family with a fictitious mm -hmm. name, and Lily Tomlin was Mrs. Madoff. Yes. And yes. so I remember the first day we were shooting was just Glenn Close facing Lily and myself, mm -hmm. and she was trying to get through lines, and we weren't doing anything other than she said, okay, I need a break. This isn't fair. This is insane. <laughs> I can't. We weren't doing anything. We were trying to be, you know, quite... Um, serious. And then I remember at one point... One of the, the director who's directing that said, now, um, Marty, can you not smile in this scene? Oh. And I said, gee, you know, 
even Hitler smiled. I mean, <laughs> yes, if, 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 if I'm not allowed to smile, yes. then this... I said, I think we have to figure out a way for me to be... He said, yeah, but when you smile, you're Martin Short. I said, well, no, we that, still have to figure this out. Yeah. And they did figure it out, and uh, it, was, it was thrilling to work with people that good. Did, how did you work out the smile? Did you keep the smile? I, I, I absolutely. I yeah. said, you know, I think the big mistake yeah. is that, oh, he's doing drama. Yeah, yeah. He can't smile. Yeah, it's... You know, it's, it, it's that if, if, if it's going to get in the way, it's going to be more than yeah. the, the smile that's going to be the problem. So what, what, what's your dream of doing right now as a, as a performer? I mean, you've done everything. You've, you've... I, I kind of think that, you know, through the years I've been asked to direct things. Mm-hmm. But I think you can't do something based on it would be interest, another feather. You have to really want to yes. do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm 65 years old. I think at this stage I would have done it. I think I just enjoy being a performer and an actor and an entertainer. I do a wide range of things. I do concerts. I do yes. you know film and television, all that stuff. Yeah, you do. You do a show with Steve Martin. I every do a month. show with Steve, Steve Martin. Yeah. yeah, and every live event, everyone wants you. Period. Steve, Steve has a joke on the top. He says, "Why I like working with Martin Short is that he understands the concept of sixty forty." <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. He'll say, now he's another one, may I yeah. produce a man who's as funny as a barrel of monkeys, but that's it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, Marty, when you were, when you were growing up, yeah. in your family, was someone funny, an uncle, or anybody? I grew up in a very funny family. I was the youngest of five children, and everyone was funny. My brother Michael has won three Emmy Awards yeah. as a writer from everything from SCTV on to this day he's writing Shit's Creek with Eugene Levin yes. and so I think that I just it was trickled down like that you know economic yeah, thing yeah. that never worked yes. uh, trickled down comedy but as the youngest because I was picked up and always cute I had all this confidence yeah. so I was able to take their stuff yeah. and where they couldn't would be too shy to do it publicly I could hi everybody and then do their material yeah were well, you the baby of the family yeah the, but the eldest to the youngest was 14 years apart oh and between the fourth which my brother Brian and myself is five years apart so I was really the child that yeah. wasn't you know yeah, I, I was the baby baby of the family too and the oldest next to me was my brother fishy who was 10 I was the baby as well. I think there's a lot of babies that and it makes sense yeah you know yeah you and your brother did did you used to do the Tonight Show at home in your house? A version of that? Did you? No, I did. Uh, no. What was it? I was primetime. It was the Martin Short show. We are in eight thirties every other Tuesday. <laughs> it was a tough deal that I had negotiated at fourteen with NBC. But were they going to let me go? You know, and that was to give me time to do my imaginary film career too. So I would. Uh, I had an applause record that I had gotten from Sinatra at the Sands, and I uh, had a gooseneck lamp because even then I needed. Help. help with the light. Yeah. And, well, just under here. Yeah. And I would, um, you know, do a medley of songs that weren't nominated or something. And, and then I'd interview uh, Eldridge Cleaver or something like that from the Playboy interview. What, what's going on with your people? You know, and, and I'd read what he said. And then, and then someone would say dinner and we'd tape later. But I would type things up for TV Guide. I would highlights, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, my brother Michael, I had a rocking chair in my room in the arm was broken and I had a tube of glue and I kept gluing it and he went to my parents and said I really think that we have to be open to the idea that he's sniffing glue this is not normal there are kids playing baseball on that street and you just hear me going weather-wise such a cuckoo day but you just see the mime of it because you wouldn't hear it you know 
<laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, amazing, sad, whatever. <laughs> so, do you go back to Canada? You, well, you have you have a place there. I in have the a summer. summer home north yeah. of Toronto, about yeah. three hours north of Toronto. Yes. So, I go back. I try to base there almost from June until September. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And I just kind of. Love being in Canada. I love to hearing the CBC right here. Yes. Or <laughs> turning on Canadian television, you'll see two actors, you know, in an intense CBC drama scene yes. going, I didn't say that. You know, it's just you. <laughs> that English, that English lilt. That lilt. Yeah. I yeah. remember there were two guys running. The, the premier of Ontario was um, Dalton McGuinty. Yes. And uh, the man running against him was Preston Manning. And <laughs> you thought, oh. made up names. Made up names, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mackenzie King. Mackenzie King was yeah. a prime minister, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he claimed that his dog talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. Mackenzie Nutty King. as a fruitcake. Yeah. Maybe it did. Yeah. I mean, who are we to judge? And you know, most of the Canadians that when we've all worked together in some way are very proud of Canada. We love the place. As well, opposed I think to it's a very, I think it's a remarkable, even now in 2015, mm-hmm. it only has 34 million people. Yes. And you'll always get someone in a kilt marching with a bagpipe. Always. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of a lot of guys in kilt. But, yeah. yeah. Even from a Kabbalah step aerobics class, they're in a kilt. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's quite a unique, interesting, uh, fabulous country. You know, I'll be in the airport and uh, I'll hear, hey, Martin, I'm Canadian. Uh, yeah. And it's you kind of perk yes. up. It's a club. Yeah. yeah. I get that too to this yeah. day. It's, it's a great feeling. Great and, feeling. And you know that they feel like you do about the country. And, you know, I'm also an American citizen proudly since 1992, uh, I think. Yes. But I also hold a, a British passport and a, uh, an Irish passport. Have you performed in Europe, in England? And no, I've made no. Um, movies there. I've worked there, but I've never done a stage thing there. Yeah, it's very different because Second City went there and I went there as with Second City. Really? Yeah. I did my sermons, you know, where I was taking a suggestion from the audience and the Lord Chamberlain is the censor in England. And he said, well, it's not that we object to what Mr. Steinberg's doing, is that there's no script. So I said, well, there's never a script. That's the whole point, is I'm improvising it. It's a, something I know about. And uh, it became a cause celeb, and I did it the next night after they asked me not to, and they shut down the Second City show at the comedy Boy, you, you, that was a trend for you, wasn't it? <laughs> I did that. I, I ruined so many, you ruined so many companies. Oh, countries. families. <laughs> yes, yes. Kids would yeah. have gone to university had it not been for you. you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm. I as I get a little bit older, I'm calming down a little bit. I'm not. I haven't thrown anyone off the air in such a long time. So that's well, a, that's a good thing. Yeah. What's a dream project for you? What is there one that you keep? And if you ask me, I wouldn't have one. But I don't think I have one. I think I like an, an eclectic year. Mm-hmm. So last year it was you know it was like a perfect example of it. I was on. Uh, a television show with John Mulaney for Fox. Mm-hmm. I was in a movie for Paul Anderson that came in December. I did concerts, and then I did three months on Broadway. Yeah. So I just like continuing to do it. I think the, the, the age-old thing that, that uh, I used to talk about more of when I was 30 as opposed to <laughs> 65 was, yes. when do you know when to quit? Yes. You know, like, I once asked Lorne Michaels that, and he said, well, I don't know when... I'll retire, but I know it will be three years after I should have. 
Yes, that's a very good, that's a very. Because he said answer. no, you know, no one tells you. Yes. Your agent doesn't yes. tell you. Your wife doesn't yeah. tell you. I feel the same way. I I do a lot of things. You know, I don't judge whether this is a good career move or not. Is it? Well, no, our epitaphs are written. Yes, exactly. It doesn't matter what I do yeah. from now on. It's pointy-headed nerd bludgeon. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, uh, here's the thing about you, Marty. You are one of the most amazing talents to almost every every person in comedy that I respect feels the same way about you. But more importantly, you are a mensch, to quote from uh, my people. Yes. People adore you, I as much as anybody, and oh, right I, love, I love talking to you. You better keep your expectations under control. 